0: This is Chelsea Wingo. And I'm Amy Covell. And this is our podcast, Hashtag Life Goals.
1: Special episode, Hashtag Movie Review. Yes. So we have decided to pull our movie reviews out of our regular episodes Mm -hmm. and do them as little mini episodes so we can feel free to talk as long as we want about the movies we have
0: seen. Exactly. We're doing some changes here and there with kind of the structure of our episodes and this is one of them. And for this specific movie review, we're going to be talking about Amelie.
1: Yes, producer Marcus assigned us to watch the movie Amelie one week when we didn't reach our goals mm-hmm. and neither of us had a movie already picked out for each other. Exactly. You have seen it before, but it was a long time ago. Yeah. I saw it when the movie first came out, mm-hmm. but not in theaters. I think I saw it as soon as it came to DVD. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't remember it very well. And then Chelsea had never seen it. Nope. Never seen it. I heard a lot about it, but never seen it. Well, now that I have watched it again, I now remember why I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Well, because I already told you this offline. You you did tell me this offline. I do not remember it because the style of the movie drives me nuts. And so, like I said, I'm pretty sure we were watching it on DVD and I either turned it off or checked out and like went and did something else while everybody else was watching it because (laughs) the style of the movie drove me nuts. Mm -hmm. Now, the style is not necessarily a bad thing. It's got this very kind of quick-paced editing and quirky vibe. Yep. Like, the quirkiness reminded me of The Dressmaker. So I was Ah. like, oh, Chelsea's going to love this. Mm -hmm. Because remember how I felt like it was all these little vignettes? Mm -hmm. It wasn't really a well-crafted movie from start to finish that flowed seamlessly. It was more of, like, small vignettes. And Amelie has that same feeling. Mm -hmm. Now, a movie like Requiem for a Dream, which is my favorite movie. It's my number one. I've only watched that once. I cannot watch it again. It's a really hard movie to watch. It's very hard. It has that same kind of frenetic editing style, but it's motivated by the drug use in it Yep. because they do the frenetic cutting as they're doing drugs and as they're high. I felt like in Amelie, the frenetic cutting was not motivated. Mm -hmm. But once the movie, anytime the movie would slow down and there was less of that frenetic energy, I enjoyed it better. Mm-hmm. When it would slow, and I felt the same way about The Dressmaker. Every time they slowed down and, and settled into a moment, the movie was better. And I felt the same way about Amelie.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had never seen Amelie. It's always been one that was recommended to me, but I just obviously did not put the time and energy for it. And so this was a perfect opportunity to do so. So definitely going back to kind of the cutting style of the film. Yes, it made it very quirky, but I think because it was a first time viewing experience for me, it definitely felt a little all over the place and trying to catch up with what was happening with you know, Amelie and I think everything. it just always is going to feel a little all over yeah. the place. Because I think another thing that now that I'm thinking about is that maybe the quirky cutting pace
1: reflects a lot with the character itself. I think that was the intention. I agree, yeah. But I don't feel like the storyline lended it to that. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, when she first finds that box that's got the that one gentleman's childhood memories in yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. So this is our inciting moment. This is gonna be the story that carries us through. Yeah. She gives him the box. And I'm like, oh so that's why I mean it went into that feeling of these are all individual vignettes that are not linked together. Yeah, the
0: the, the inciting incident is that that's the start of the ins, of of the little vignettes that you're talking about and then progressing forward. But the vignette she needs to focus on is herself, which she doesn't do until the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but I can understand that it definitely was quirky all over the place. There were times that I was kind of out of it. There were times that I was. I mean, the cinematography a, is
1: is beautiful. Yeah, no, but it's great. even that. There were certain scenes that I was like, okay, so the shot is absolutely gorgeous and Mm well-crafted, but also doesn't fit in the story. (laughs) So like there's all of these beautiful shots inside the two windmills, which is the restaurant that she works at that also has a a cigarette and cigar shop in it. Mm -hmm. And the one gal's complaining about how it's so smoky. There is not even a fog machine being used for a little atmosphere. (laughs) It's clear as day bright lights yellow there is no smoke in the air and you've got a character complaining that she can't breathe because it's too smoky
0: yeah well I think that that's the character that is like the hypochondriac that is always like that's true saddened, all that kind of thing but so, if yeah, they're yeah, saying I mean, people yeah.
1: are smoking inside there should be some smoke <laughs> I work with cinematographers all the time mm-hmm. who use a fog machine and every damn shot because they like that it creates some texture in the air. Yeah. Um, it creates what they call atmosphere, which mm-hmm. is some texture and some depth in the, in the frame. Um, whereas this, you know, you have a very skilled cinematographer and in something that verbally calls out for smoke, they didn't even think to use a fog machine. Mm-hmm. I think with each film,
0: there is always one thing they are going to focus on a lot and one thing that they will focus on the least. So I think with Amelie, I do think the cinematography and kind of the colorization was probably more of the optimal choice. Right, but that's what I'm saying is if you're
1: focusing on the cinematography, this is something that falls under the cinematographer and it was completely missed and it pulled me out of the film. Just because of that one scene of the smoking. That is a perfect example. There were lots of other shots that were done like that where the shot was beautifully crafted but did not fit what was happening. This might mean I might need to watch it again because,
0: again, I saw it only once. And mm-hmm. so it's probably all a little blurred and everything because of how fast pace it was and everything that was happening and going on that I noticed it a bit by bit, but I wasn't so focused on the shot. I mean, as you said, you've worked with a lot of cinematographers, so you're used to seeing this kind of stuff. Me, because I haven't worked a lot with, you know, I am a filmmaker, but like camera operator holder, that kind of stuff. That's not my forte. That's not, But the thing that I is my strongest suit, my strongest suit is more storytelling and directing and kind of the character development. I think that's what's more for me. So I think that was more of what I was focused on. So it was an interesting journey to go on. Though I do agree, kind of, that the journey she went on maybe wasn't as satisfying as I wanted it to be.
1: The best through line I saw through the movie was the elderly man, the painter. Mm-hmm. Who was doing the reproductions of Renoir? He you saw pushing character arcs to happen. Yeah, he was the one who was actually very active in pushing the story along. Yeah, um, I was glad every time we went back to him because that was uh something I could cling on to that was actually holding the story together and was pushing Amelie along on this journey. Mm-hmm. Part of it maybe is just some sentimentality too because yeah. when he first came on screen and he was doing. That Renoir reproduction, that's the same Renoir painting that I spent an entire summer watching my grandfather do a reproduction of. Ah, that would make sense. I have his postcard size one that he painted to use as his template mm-hmm. um, hanging in my my hallway. Yeah, that- that so definitely makes sense because my grandfather was a reprodu- was an artist and so he did a lot of reproductions for restaurants, hotels mm-hmm. um, and that was one I actually got to watch him do.
0: That's awesome. yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. Sentimental value can be such a big tie to maybe why we cling on to some of these movies. Um, my favorite that I've always stated has been Dead Poet Society. Mm-hmm. Dead Poet Society I first watched when I was 14. It was oh, a movie captain we- my captain Exactly Robin Williams. May he live on forever. Rest in peace. Uh, that was the f- first time I watched that. I was 14, freshman year of high school. And it was in English class. So it was something that we were watching. And of course, everybody else was not interested. They did not want to watch it. I they was weren't the...
1: connecting to the subject matter?
0: No. And I was because I think, especially at that time in high school, that was me trying to grow into being myself and kind of what I wanted to do and be the person that I wanted to be despite maybe the pressures of social social society around me so I really connected with that and then also Robin Williams and it was the first time I saw Ethan Hawke obviously because he's not actually 18 at that point that was filmed back in 1989 89, 89 yeah so that was the first time I saw Ethan Hawke and then uh, Robert Sean Leonard was there as wasn't it as well and he was great So yeah, I I have sentimental value for that one, so I really connect with it. But I can understand how sentimental value can really help you cling on to certain characters or certain things. And I loved Poet
1: Society, but for me, that film always just feels like a precursor to White Squall, which came out seven years later. Okay, I've not seen White Squall. So White Squall um, is a very similar story, only it takes place on a sailing ship. Mm, All of these boys that are, you know, prep school age um are in this program where it's kind of like sending your kid to military school but instead Mm -hmm. instead you send them to the school that is on this sailing ship so they are taking classes on the sailing ship and also learning to become sailors it's that whole idea of teaching them to become a man Mm -hmm. and them being responsible for um life and death situations Mm -hmm. and um someone you know some people do die in the film in a white squall storm and so part of it is also then them all going through the pain of losing those people. Um, and then there's a huge court case um, around the the families that lost people mm-hmm. in the storm, like, you know, trying to put the blame on the captain. Mm-hmm. And it's that same kind of feeling of them all trying to band together and mm-hmm. them going through that coming of age story. Mm-hmm. So if you liked Dead poet Society, I definitely re- recommend seeing White Squall. Yeah. But like Dead Poet Society was first, and then White Squall came. Correct, afterwards. correct. But yes. it's one of those like, things. Like I don't think White Squall would exist without Dead Poet Society. Woohoo! But as much as I like Dead Poet Society, I feel like White Squall does it even better.
0: Well, I mean, it makes sense because it's years later, and then it would be characters. Problems. Anyways, we're a little all over because we're supposed to be talking about Amelie, but now, obviously Amelie this, this shows that we don't is, really like it as much as we thought we would. <laughs> is
1: one of Leota's favorite movies? Ah, sorry, Leota. And while watching it, I was very much like, this makes complete sense. And mm-hmm. uh, this fits her personality and yeah. her thought process. And uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> which I think gave me a different view on it a little bit and yeah. a little bit more appreciation. Yeah. But yeah, it's still not a top choice for me at all.
0: Yeah. Like actually, as we're talking about it right now, what I was trying to think of maybe, I felt like there was another movie I watched that was somewhat similar to this, but different and did it better. Run, run Lolo, Run. Yes. Yes. That's exactly what I was thinking. And they run came out low, around low, low.
1: the same time.
0: Run, Lolo, Run is, I think, a really is one that is sort of like Amelie the subject matter is different but it does it better in terms of the character vignettes and the journeys that they go through for those that don't know Run Lolo Run is a foreign language film uh, in German
1: right? Yeah, German? it came out in 1998. Yeah, and it's about this so girl. So five years before Amelie. Five, okay. But, you know, in the world of foreign cinema, that's practically at the same time. Yes, exactly.
0: And it tells the story about this girl who is in the situation where her boyfriend owes money to some mobster, and he is going to rob a bank, and she has these uh, choices that she has to make regarding how to help the boyfriend. But with each act break, there is a different scenario that she goes through. So basically, like it's like she's going back in time and trying again. Until she finds one that fits, so it's unique in that aspect, and yeah. I think it does it a very well. I think that definitely has it has that same
1: style of Amelie, but mm-hmm. it succeeds, yeah, especially
0: it. with the character vignettes of this character act, this one, character at that one, and then the final one, and then especially how they all interweave together especially the police officer I think mm-hmm. it was because he's the first one that you see in the intro when he because it's his voiceover talking about Correct. all these different choices and then spoiler alert you see him in the end he's an ambulance and Lola ends up in that ambulance and ends up holding his hand as he tries to overcome his heart attack that he's going through so yeah uh, I highly recommend Run Little Run I haven't seen it in a very long time but uh, yeah I think that was for me that trumps Amelie. I would agree. I would yeah. agree for sure. Th- that being said, uh, what's her name? An Amelie, Audrey something. The actress's name is Audrey Tautou. Um, I think she did a great job in terms of her character, and I also know her from The Da Vinci Code with uh, Tom Hanks. She uh-huh. was the um, main female lead in that, and I think she did a great job in that film. So I was like, this looks, this girl looks familiar. I don't know I why. I knew a
1: few of the actors from Amelie, but that's mostly because I watch a lot of French cinema. Yeah,
0: you do watch, um, watch a lot of French So,
1: for example, the gentleman that gets in the relationship with... The woman who works the hypochondriac those, the, with the hypochondriac that works the cigar counter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I have seen in lots of stuff, mm-hmm. um, and I really enjoyed watching him as well in this. Yeah,
0: I, I think also I've seen the painter in a couple of things. I don't know his actor, the actor's name and then also the father I've seen in a couple of things too. but
1: Yes, yes. I the father is a well-known actor. He's been mm-hmm. quite a bit.
0: Yeah, but I think Audrey did a pretty good job with, you know, her spunky character and how she was like coy and trying I to do all I think they that did stuff. a great
1: job with her character. I think the editing style yeah. was not motivated and that was the mm-hmm. biggest drawback for me.
0: Yeah, I can agree how the editing, even though it's supposed to be
1: quirky and fast paced, it
0: didn't necessarily fully
1: work. Well, <sighs> We saw another movie. It's, you know, it's something that has definitely influenced cinema today. So I'm glad that we had a chance to see it and discuss it. Yeah, Um, but but maybe not our. It's not our cup of tea. Let's move on to bigger and better things.
0: Yes. Like Rocket Man. See Rocket Man when it comes out. (laughs) Sorry. I just watched it and I actually did not expect to like it as much as I did. I really did not. Taryn did a great job. Richard Madden's in it. He's great. And then Jamie Bell's in it. Tate Donovan, who's the voice of Hercules, is in it too. And he's fabulous.
1: I might work in the film industry, but every time she says all of these names, I don't know who they are. Oh, I do not learn actor names. I really just don't.
0: Yeah. Well, nope. Tate Donovan, her voice of adult Hercules. So
1: there's one for you. So <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's it for our review of Amelie. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will bring to you, in a few weeks, we'll be bringing to you our review of the animes that yes. we were assigned to watch during Hashtag
0: Anime. Yes. Um, I'm actually very excited because I'm now in the anime, like, whole hut mood to want to watch a lot of anime. So perfect timing. So, I get to go on Crunchyroll and Verb and high dive.
1: <laughs> All right, guys. Well, till next time, I'm Amy Covell. And I'm Chelsea Wingo. And this has been hashtag hashtag life, goals. life Goals. Have a great day, everybody. Bye.